to the weekly dish i'm stephanie hansen hey i'm steph march we are both here today back from our fabulous european trips yes quite amazing thank you to everybody that joined us we both had an excellent time sharing our love of food yes seriously today is a big cookbooky day cookbook swap day yes how come we don't have walk-up music to that i I don't know i think maybe i even said that last year (laughs) i have a whole car full of Baskets and treats for yep. the raffle. Yep. I have a whole box full of books. I, I had have, to go through and kind of winnow it down. Yep. I did uh I did grab I have a bottle of Smart Select whiskey for everybody for if you want to nice. come and and we do have walk up tickets. I'm pretty sure we do. We always you we always yeah. seem to. Molly will text us in a minute if we don't. <laughs> yeah, they're fifteen dollars. A hundred percent of the proceeds goes to Second Harvest Heartland. You'll walk away with some cookbooks if you want to, or you'll just be able to donate your books that you don't want anymore to St. Paul College because they'll get all the remainder of yeah. the books that aren't picked up. And we will have a little uh, beverage or two, some snacks. I did get text from Bradley today. He just finished up his pit project on Dirty Pickleball, so he won't be joining us today yeah, I after didn't, all. I, I thought that was very I know, optimistic. I just was like, well, maybe he'll come. I don't know. And he's like, I'm so sorry. I forgot it's the same day, and I need to just rest. And Okay. Those I, guys raised so much money over I, the weekend. Did they really? Or over the week? Yes, they did. Um, I know uh, I got a text from Lori this morning. She's like, I'm so wiped out. But I think it's fair to say maybe that her and Julia were the victors from what I can gather. And Julia is a big pickleballer. So we all know that. Yes. I love it. I love that it went her way this year. This cracks me up. Yes, definitely. Um, So that's been super fun. And thanks to everybody that participated in that and gave money because... A lot of those charities uh, really need it. And again, my talkers always step up in a pinch. So thank totally. you. Totally, which is why we love uh, Cookbook Swap Day, because I think it's like sh- having you guys show up too and just, you know, everybody coming together on a on a nice, beautiful Saturday in the fall to kind of like look at books and think about how you could possibly cook differently. That's what I love. It's like, ooh, I'm a, like you grab a new book, new to you, and you're like, ooh, I'm going to make this. Like this is going to change me this way. And so this is the Facebook question, you guys. I put it on there, and I'd love to hear. It says, Happy Cookbook Swap Day. Which cookbook is your most used, or which cookbook changed the way you cook? Can you think about which one did yours, Hanson? Yeah. um, Probably, okay, in actuality or in my mind? Mm -hmm. Because in my mind, Oda Murolenghi changed the way I felt about salads and vegetables Well, it can be more than one but i don't cook out of his book as much as i want to but it's very aspirational and it's always at the top of my mind okay um the cookbook that changed the way i cook 
is probably a, a book called Cold Weather Cooking. Yeah. Uh, it's just it's right. It's some, it doesn't have to be like a certain chef or anything like that for sure. I just turned to it a lot, and it made me think about like soup more as a meal and stews and yeah. I don't know. Do that you know one, what? Do you know what I'm gonna say? Uh yes, I Michael Roman's did. ratio. No, but that would be a second one. Okay, it's Nigel Slater's. Uh oh my God, I just lost the name of it. It's Nigel Slater appetites, mm-hmm. and that's the one that taught me that you don't have to have a recipe. That it, you're free from recipes if you want to be. And you are, like, when I read Amy Thielen's uh, company book, The Radically Casual Art of Cooking for Others, and she's going to be on the show in the second hour today, I thought this is kind of a cookbook for you. Yeah, it is. Because it's more like, yeah. a, it's menus, there are tons of recipes, yeah. but it's also philosophy, yep. theory. It's a guide. It's a little messy at times. Yeah. And it just, I thought, oh, this is a, this is a cookbook stuff we'll it's really like. It's the modern entertaining tome. Yeah. I really do believe that it is something very, very cool. And it's, and I'm excited to talk to her about it because I've totally read through it. And I think it's like when we think about cookbooks and I've had a couple of dishers who have contacted me asking like, well, do you think I'll find this there? Do you think I'll find this? There? And I'm like, I don't know, man. It's a, it's a total dice game every year, but you probably will find a church cookbook. Like I had a woman calling or sent me a note and she was like, I'm specifically looking for some Midwest church cookbooks. I'm oh, like, they'll be there. I'm Cause like, I know. Cause I put three back in the pile right. that I and, went through from last year. And I said, there's this really interesting thing where we do have like, remember the dinosaur cookbook keeps yep. showing up. I hope to see it again this year <laughs> unless it got donated. I don't know. But you know, it's like, I love the idea that it's sort of like a little free library. You know, that and there's way always too. at least one joy of cooking. I yes. don't know who would give that to them up, but I know. people do. I know. Well, one New York they Times get a cookbook. couple of them sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? So, yeah. So I do, I do think that there's something for everybody and there's things that for different ways that we all cook. And that's the beauty of cookbooks in my mind. So, um, yeah, I'm excited about it today. Also today, Stephanie, uh, what the Emmy Awards. I don't know what that is. What do you mean? I, I have we maybe haven't even talked about this that I was nominated for four oh, Emmy Awards. Are they? Is that today? It's is it today. happening today? And I am going to the gala. So is it the regional Emmys? Is this it's how Midwest. this works? Mm-hmm. Okay, so it's regional Emmys and it's just TV, right? I'm just working through nope. what Emmys are. Well, yes, yes, broadcast. Things. Okay, so it's also streaming things. Okay, it's anything that's video. I guess would be a, probably the way to answer that. And there uh-huh. are a lot of categories. And one of the categories I'm up for is host, which I don't think I can possibly win because I'm competing against the most talented, brilliant woman. Do you know Georgia Fort? No. She is an African-American oh, woman yes. that yep. has like her own network. Yep, and, I totally do. Oh, she's, she's just fantastic. like uh, the bomb. Yeah. So I'm like, I secretly right. hope she wins because I think she deserves it. But it's also like such an honor to even be nominated in her same category. That's crazy. Yeah. And then there's other things like I'm nominated for some of the actual segments that we did. Jason's show's nominated. So Ellie so, and I are going tonight. Is this a thing that like, so... And just because I'm, so this is a thing like you submit your stuff, you submit everything you possibly can, and then you, you come into like different categories. And yeah, they say very like, similar to like James Beard exactly. Awards, like you submit in yep, the categories. Submit, and mm-hmm. then they kind of say, these are the best of the best, and then you go and you find out. Yes. Okay. And my Love producer, it. Michelle, who's fantastic, uh, picked what categories and did all the she stuff. Did. I okay, didn't do anything. I was going to ask you if you picked it no, or not. No, I didn't. I was like, she. I think I paid for an entry. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. You go ahead. And Love then, it. so we're going with her. And, you know, that's, I just perform the stuff. Yeah. Like, it's the magic of the producers, the people that execute the shoots. 
the people that do the shooting. I mean, that's really where the artistry comes in. I'm just. So is it news? And is it like. It's news. It's also lifestyle. So, and I mean, are there like, is it like. I suppose, okay, so, so if it's regional, it's local channel, local stations. It's Chicago, Mid- Milwaukee, Kansas, Minnesota, Illinois. Okay. Oh, cool. They have four. Is it three or four? There's three Emmy groups, maybe four. Okay. Midwest, um, West, East, and then South. Got it. So, and you get an actual like Emmy. Yeah. It's from the real Emmy people, like one of those statues with the little the, the, earth. The, bo- the big giant globe. So, well, good luck. Good well, luck tonight. We'll I cross stressed out about you. what to wear. Like, what are you going to wear? People are wearing long dresses and tuxedos. Well, it's a, it's Ellie's a gala. going with me. I'm wearing, I bought a jumpsuit just in case. I also have like a really frilly skirt with a terrible shirt and no shoes. So fantastic! When I get home from cookbook swap, I've got two hours to turn it around. All right, I love it. We'll get ready for it. Yeah, I'm excited about it. Okay. Well, um, we have a lot of good things coming up today. Yeah, we also, by the way, are talking to James Norton, you guys, who is the uh, creator of Heavy Table. Um, he has got a new Substack, and it is a cookbook Substack. He's calling it the Cookbook Test. We're going to talk to him about a little bit about why. He's moving to Substack um, and also kind of like what his theories of cookbooks are. It's going to be interesting. I think so. And besides Amy Thielen, and then we just have a lot of other fun stuff. España. We have talk about España. We're here all about your trip your, next. Yeah, I miss talking, hearing about your trip. So we'll do that off, off the air. Off the air. Yes. You'll have to tell me everything you told <laughs> all the dishers last week. Yeah. All right. Fake restaurant prank, too. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. So funny. I know. Okay, we'll be back. I used to haunt this house. The sweet couple who live here were terrified. But then they joined the YMCA. Now they're less stressed and I can't scare them anymore. I write things on the mirror and they think it's cute. I flicker the lights and they laugh. It's like the Y improved their well-being and calmed their minds. (sighs) Want to annoy your ghost? Get healthy at ymcanorth.org. Everybody, welcome back to the weekly dish. So, I just want to say a little bit about Spain because it was a eating trip after all, and we learned some cool stuff. I brought, I think there was thirty four of us total. Yep, and we really did cover the entire continent you, of Spain, other than the top north. You Basque were in the Basque region, region, which you but just you reminded so me. What was so? How how many days total? Nine. Nine. And you flew into where? You I flew, flew into, into Madrid. Madrid with a friend and we spent two days in Madrid first. Oh, I didn't know that. Okay. I already know. I know for me, when I go to Europe, that first day, I'm just terrible. Okay. Like it's, I don't do jet lag well. I can get over it quickly, but I need like a whole day of just Blurred. dumb time. Yeah. So we planned that and then we met the group and we all met in Madrid and um, Madrid is a city like New York. I mean, it's a big city. It's colorful. It's bright. The tapas is uh, delicious. Tapas, if you don't know, because I don't even think I 100% knew until I went. Every time you get an alcoholic drink in Spain, you get some sort of snack with it. It could be peanuts. It could be chips. It could be like full on little sandwiches. Yeah. Like some of it is more extensive than others. And some places are known for tapas. And then we learned this little trick of what the Spanish people do is they order, uh, I think it's called a, a cuña, which is like a small beer because you the like tapas st- stays the same. Right. So there's no point in ordering a large beer 
because if you order two smalls, you get two tapas versus one large. <laughs> so that was interesting. And it's a slit. Yeah, basically. Yeah. You um you eat a lot of ham. And the oh ham God, is so the ham. Iberico ham that they're known for. And they the feed the ham acorns. Yeah. And did you go see any pigs or any farms? We saw a orange farm in Sevilla and we saw a olive oil farm okay. in Valencia. Great. So that was cool to see, you know, their farming challenges are very similar to the United States drought, um, pests, trying to do organic farming. And also they have the problem of like someone buys all their olives or someone buys all their oranges, but then they sit in a warehouse and the next year they have so many oranges that they, it's just like very similar to the story of American farming and too much milk and this and that. Yeah. Also like the person that sells the product is really the one who makes the most money, not the person that grows the product. Yeah. So that was really interesting to learn about. One of the things that the trip, I think, was we had a lot of time in a motor coach because we were booking it from place to place to place to place. That's the hard part. And for lunch, a lot of times we would stop at the gas station. Yeah. Well, the gas stations in Europe are like luncheonettes or cafeterias. Yes. And they're pretty tasty. I mean, they have fresh cooked food. So the first one, someone was like, oh, my gosh, are we going to stop at the like gas station and eat lunch? I was like, I think we are. Yep. Uh, so we did that a couple days, which was funny. You learn, like, we had paella making class, so we learned a lot about paella. We had paella twice. Paella is um, in Valencia is where it was invented, apparently. And we had chicken and rabbit paella there. Perfect. Which Perfect. is fantastic. And everybody ate the rabbit. Yeah. You know, like, I was really proud of people. They pushed themselves to try things they hadn't had before, and it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. And then we did an actual paella making class with seafood and cuttlefish. Yes. Which made it black Mm -hmm. and the cuttlefish was really tasty. We learned how to make the Spanish potato, uh, Espana omelet, the tort. Yeah. And one of the things that surprised people is they boil the potatoes in olive oil. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many people were so freaked out by that. Really? And I was like, why are you so freaked out? This is like their version of like a French fry. Yeah. Yeah, Like, well, I just can't believe all the oil. Like, it was so American in their perception of it. Like, well, can I just remind you like about French fries? Right. That's exactly what And they're like, but those are like, they go in quickly. And I was like, no, it's the same. Yeah. And like we're cooking in hydrogenated oils, which are very different than boiling a potato in an olive oil. Right. And we had learned a lot about olive oil, so they knew like the extra virgin down to light, which isn't even really yeah. it's basically the worst olive oil you can get, but whatever. So don't buy that at the grocery store. Um, we just we learned a lot about the different types. We did make it to the sea in Barcelona. It was really did interesting. Did you go to Las Ramblas? Yes. The market? Yes. Oh, oh no, we didn't because oh, it was closed. It was no. Sunday. Oh, we tried to go. No. <laughs> I've been. Oh, my and God. And we tried to go, but it was closed. We did do um, a lot of historical things, too. Yeah. Did and, you go to the Prado? Uh, the I don't, museums? Did you do any music? Like, yes, okay. we did. Okay. Sarah and I did a couple, too. Okay. Um, what was interesting about seeing a lot of the historic churches and the mosques, because mm-hmm. we saw a lot of mosques, too, in light of this current conflict that's happening, like there were, we saw two different mosques that started out as Jewish 
temples that then were converted to mosques that then were converted to Christian churches. Mm -hmm. But at one time for over a thousand years before the Inquisition, all three of these religions practiced in this same place together. Yeah. So that was really like eye opening to think like, is that possible that a house of worship could be a community place again and multiple religions could use this same space. The Hagia Sophia in Turkey is known as like, yeah, what was it? What is it now? What century are we in? And you can really see like the individual details of, you know, Jewish iconography. Thank you. Mm -hmm. And then like Muslim influence. And then of course the Christian, you know, kind of the gaudy statuettes and Southern Spain is really, I mean, like, yeah. Did you, you said you didn't get into Alhambra? uh, We did not because we were there during the EU summit, which had 67 of the European presidents. They uh, rank the presidents into three groups. Oh, Group one is like Italy, Germany, France, the the important countries, (laughs) as they were told. Yeah. And then we, our hotel was for group two and there's different levels of security too. And then there was group three, too. There was basically people with machine guns on every corner in all throughout Grenada while we were there. We saw them in Rome, too. Just like outside of. And they went to the Sagrada di Familia, too, in Barcelona, because I suppose once you're in Spain, you may as well look and do stuff. Almost done, apparently. Yes. I saw that article (laughs) that came out like you're over there. 2025. It might be done soon. I'm like, can it be done? It kind of feels like it should never be done. I don't know that it'll ever be done. And when I saw it, I didn't feel like. It was going to be done in a year, but that's just me. Love that. Um, It was just, you know, tons of great wine, lots of um, fun people. Everyone is asking me, like, what was the favorite thing you ate? And I was like, I don't know how to do that. But, like, do you have a dish that stood out in your mind that was like, oh, my God, we had this dish. It was crazy. I I think that the paella, just because we made it, and also the rabbit version was really delicious. Spain is interesting in that, like... It's five things. It's the ham. It's the manchego cheese. It's potato croquettes. It's the Espana tortilla. And it's paella. But, and I'm only going to say this in the nicest way. I know. You were a group of 30, and you were going to spots that could handle groups of 30 True. on a Spain trip. True. So, if you go to smaller places, if you're getting off the beaten path, if you're doing things that aren't like, here's Spain. It's going to be different. We did do some stuff individually, too. Yeah. Um, but I mean, like when you get into the, pl- you know what I mean? Like It made me laugh that some of the folks that went off on their own and had some of their own dinners and they'd be telling me about them the next day. They were always Italian. Oh, shut up, really? <laughs> like, and there are great Italian restaurants sure. throughout Europe, right? Sure. But it just kind of cracked me up. That I was is like, really of course funny. you loved it. It was Italian. What's not to love about delicious homemade noodles and ravioli? Come right. on. Come on. I love that. Kind of fun. It was fun, too, to be in Barcelona um, in the fall, but have everybody swimming in the beach because it's been unseasonably warm there. It was still 95. Yeah. When we were in Rome walking around, it was like 82. And I was like, this is not great. And they're like, this is the weirdest thing ever. And in Montenegro, when we finally got there, people were just all on the beaches. It was just crazy. Yeah. We should have booked in a swimming. I just didn't think end of September, October, we would have swimming time. Yeah. No, I brought bathing suits, but uh, we only wore it, I think, once. And just the speed of these trips, like you clip along. I know. You know, you're on your way to this, that, and the other thing. And then dinner is this and set your bag outside your door. And yeah, so we were moving and moving. But I do think I learned a lot about group travel. Good. In a good way. And in a way of like, okay, maybe some of these things I could improve upon. Um, 
I think my next trip is going to be domestic. I'm going to do Charleston, South Carolina in the spring. Oh, good. Um, I've got a brother that lives there, and there's some interesting restaurants. There's a new African-American museum that is opened. We talked about doing the Pacific Northwest. And yeah, maybe that'd be doing, fun, too. I think we're going to do Vancouver with my group. Okay, that's so. the best. I know. Vancouver is the the city I would live in if I oh, really? was a millionaire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 100%. Okay. That city is amazing. I'll tell you all about it. Okay. Well, you, I mean, I've been there. I, and I know everybody in the Pacific Northwest now. <laughs> and the Chinese food, too, oh, in the Chinatown. The best sushi I've ever oh, had. Vancouver. Yum. All right. Okay, guys. We're going to talk to Jim Norton coming up. We are. We'll be back. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Weekly Dish on My Talk 107.1. I'm giving you the weather report. It's pretty great so far. <laughs> and it was supposed to rain today, so I know. this is a bonus. I'm all good about it. And, of course, we want to have a great day for Cookbook Swap Day because it is one of our favorite days of the year. Yes. Uh, hey, and we also are so glad to be joined by James Norton uh, of Heavy Table fame. James, are you there? I'm here. Woohoo! Okay, welcome to Weekly Dish. We haven't had you on for, I think, when you first launched Heavy Table. Like a hundred years ago, we had you uh, on. Hundred and fifty, to be exact. I think that yeah. is correct. That feels about right. That does. Um, and of course, you've been such a good force around town uh, and in the media sphere to be able to like highlight the important stories of food makers and restaurants and people, and really digging into very cool ways of looking at food in the Twin Cities. And now you are doing something new. And I thought this was the perfect day to talk to you about it. Um, because you have something called the cookbook test. Why don't you tell us a yeah. little bit about that? Yeah, so the cookbook test is uh, sort of my foray into the world of Substack. Mm. Substack is a newsletter platform where you write newsletters and people subscribe. You can subscribe to mine for, for free, or you can contribute a few dollars every month and get all of the content that I'm writing. And the the idea behind Cookbook Test is uh, I want to get under the hood of cookbooks and actually review them in a kind of deep and thoughtful way uh, and cook from them and t- share those notes, share those food photos, and actually kind of put them through their paces. Because I, I read a lot of reviews of cookbooks where, you know, it's, it's clear that the writer picked the cookbook up and flip through it <laughs> pretty well. But, like, I, you know, I feel like if you don't engage with the actual cooking – you're missing the point. Right. And I think that there's something about we get very excited. Hanson and I are both like we get a cookbook and we read it like a like a novel. Yes. You know, and there's that <laughs> side of and there's one way to talk about it that way. But you're absolutely right. There's a whole nother way to talk about it when you have to consider that it is a practical volume of instruction. And that's like that's yeah. the thing that you're trying. I love that. That's what you're trying to where you're trying to go with it. Well, I had I had an experience. I was the food editor at the Growler magazine in St. Paul for a couple of years yeah. before the pandemic shut it down. And uh, part of my job there was editing recipes that would come in from chefs. And chefs are, all, you know, pretty much universally great at cooking, but they're not 100% great at writing. So three to four would probably work as they're written out of 20. Eight to 10 would need some small adjustments. The other six to eight you have to overhaul completely. And I think a lot of times you get into a cookbook and you don't realize that some of those recipes are still kind of raw. They were never really properly tested out, and you're going to get things that don't necessarily function. So it's been fun. I'm uh, six published posts into the cookbook test, and I've got three more that I'm working on currently. Uh, results have been all over the place. I've had a couple cookbooks that are 
borderline unusable and a few that are <laughs> fantastic and they're kind of they're kind of all over the map are you going to add like any of the like martha stewart ina garten <laughs> some of the stalwarts I'm, i might yeah so i try to do a vintage cookbook every other week so every other week i do one that's just coming out that's kind of fresh and every other week i do something that's kind of classic uh yeah, I think it'd be fun to kind of get into that some some of that stuff. Every time I've tried an Ina Garten recipe, it's worked fantastically. For yeah, me. So that might actually be a fun one to try out to say, look, here's how you do it. Here's how to present recipes that are clear and reliable. And the flip side of that is like there's also some very flashy high end restaurants, and they put out cookbooks basically just to intimidate people. I just did the El Pied de Cochon Sugar Shack cookbook by Martin Picard out of Montreal. Yeah. Everything was ornate. Everything was kind of unusable. It required ingredients you can't find. And it's still like a really cool portrait of a restaurant and a way of life and a way of cooking. But like add something to put in your kitchen. It's kind of it's kind of not uh, not worth having there. Wow. Right. That's interesting. And that's the part about like when restaurants, you know, you kind of have feelings about restaurants. And then is the cookbook part of that? Is it just like a billboard for the restaurant or is it an actual you know, volume for instruction. Like, can you recreate those at home? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I, I, Gavin Kaysen came out with a cookbook, I want to say, a year and a half ago, yeah. two years ago. And, you know, his his restaurants are very high-end. If we had Michelin stars around here, they would probably get one. And I was ready for something uh, that wasn't going to work, frankly. And I, I tried cooking out of it, and it was terrific. Like, the, you could tell that he and his co-author had just kind of, like, pounded the recipes and made sure they were clear and had clear illustrations. And, uh, you know, I, I think a cookbook kind of lives or dies by how it actually performs in the kitchen. And that's what the cookbook test is all about. I loved that book. And you you had this idea that it was going to be super hard, but he yeah, really did kind yeah. of make it for the home cook. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you can you can kind of tell the, in, the intentions of the people writing the book kind of come through. And I... I don't know about everybody listening. Everyone's got different experiences. But during the during the pandemic, I got really into home cooking, and I started making a hot breakfast for my family every day. So, you know, buttermilk biscuits, pancakes, pannekoek, and popovers, like, you name it. Yum. And so, like, my connection with the kitchen became a lot more intense. And, you know, my love of a good cookbook uh, or my resentment of a bad cookbook just became, like, much more fueled by passion and, like, day-to-day experience. So, and then are you cooking, am I understanding this, that you're doing this once a week? So this means that you are like cooking every day from this book for a week? Is that how it's working? Not not quite that intense. I don't think my family. family I was going to say, my God, Uh, your grocery bill. (laughs) I am doing doing one cookbook a week and I cook at least once out of every book. Okay. Um, Sometimes I do two or even three recipes. It kind of depends on how my schedule is and what the book looks like, but yeah, I am kind of cooking constantly, but you know, uh, my my family's good at embracing new things. I actually just made a chicken pot pie recipe from the new Jose Andres World Central Kitchen cookbook oh, last night. I read that. Yeah, and good book, right? I loved the way that you described that because I've been thinking about getting that book, but I haven't bought it yet. And you were like, hey, consider this your contribution to the World Central Kitchen and all the great work they're doing. I'd never thought about it that way. And yeah. I promptly ordered it. Oh, good. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I mean, that's it's such a great organization. And if the book was just unusable, it would still be money going to a good cause. But it turns I, I, I made so the, the chicken pop guy was quite good. 
I made his uh, tacos al pastor recipe from that book, and they were fantastic. Yeah. I mean, they were so good. Uh, I've got a carnitas recipe I use regularly. I'm just going to replace it wholesale with the uh, with the Jose Andres version. So it's like that's that's one part of the fun of this project is you know stumbling across these real keeper recipes that you know everybody should kind of insert into their their home libraries. God, yeah. uh, here's one that is in my home library that I've never cooked out of. And I feel like you're the person to cook out of it, Jim. How about uh, <laughs> cooking out of ad hoc? Oh, oh, yeah, that could be that could be Thomas really Keller's book. It's yeah. a tome. It's complicated. Uh-huh. I feel like you're the guy. I could give it a shot. Give I mean, it a shot. <laughs> I love it. Um, when it when it wanders into candy making, that's where I lose my way. Oh yeah. God yeah. <laughs> What about, um, what about, are you going to do some like seriously? I, I would like to see you do, uh, you know, some church basement cookbook. I would love to oh, see, you know, salad. Like, yeah, like St. Emerson's, yeah. you know, yeah. Saint, <laughs> cookbook for the uh, auxiliary club, you know? Yes. No, that's 100%, 100% in my sights. I absolutely am going to do that. Uh, and my wife's family, uh, they're Italian, they come from Racine, Wisconsin. And there was a restaurant slash social club there called the Roma Lodge, and they have a cookbook. So I want to do that too because it's got the whole whole family story, and it is a lot of different liberal interpretations of the word salad, like all over the place. (laughs) Oh my god! (laughs) Um, I don't know if you know. I mean, I feel like you should come to the cookbook swap today because you know there's a bunch of cookbooks for free, basically that you can walk around and just. I mean, you could snag some real beauties. I may grab a couple for you if you can't come. Yeah, that sounds great. All right. uh, I, I'll, I'll have to check check with the fam. But check yes. with the fam. All right, one question before we go. We asked this question on the Facebook page today, and I kind of want to know what yours are. I wanted to know either what was, A, your favorite cookbook, or B, what was the cookbook that changed the way you cooked? Uh, so I have, a, I have a very immediate answer to that. I'll just give it the immediate answer. The, uh, the, the, the cook's illustrated best recipe cookbook oh yeah i I encountered that in my early 20s i was a uh actually a middle east news editor at that point i was under a lot of stress i didn't know how to cook anything and i thought i want to get into this i want to give it a try and that book was so good at breaking down technique and walking you through it really clearly and like step by step was almost like a science-based method of getting into cooking and that opened the whole door for me. That made it possible for me to go from like a non-cook to having dinner parties. Uh, and so I'm always going to have a, a, a big warm space in my heart for that one. That is amazing. That is such a good one. And that one is really foundational, I think. Yeah. You know what I mean? You learn a lot. I do think you become, I do, that's exactly a perfect answer because you do become a different kind of cook after that kind of a book. Yeah, there's a difference between teaching a recipe and teaching a technique, and that is all about building these basic techniques. And from there, you know, sky is the limit. That's true. All right, well, this has been Jim Norton, you guys, and his Substack is called The Cookbook Test. And you should subscribe because we need to support writers and, and you know, interesting journalism like this because it is clearly not AI's even – they can't even cook, so and they can't <laughs> learn to cook. So. <laughs> We got to keep supporting the human writers. So you can find him on Substack. And if you, uh, I think that you should like send him uh, cookbook recommendations too, right? I would love that. Okay. All right. right. Thanks, Jim. Maybe we'll see you at the swap. Yeah. Thank you so much. Okay. I might send him the Ely cookbook. There is an Ely cookbook. It's pretty great. Okay. We'll be right back. Okay.
we are at the Ask Stephanie portion of the show, 651-641-1071. You want to call in, talk about your favorite cookbooks, ask questions about a cookbook, yeah. ask questions about the cookbook swap. I know. Hey, I'm um, just going to also remind everybody, I did put that question on the Facebook page about whether or not, like, what was the cookbook that uh, changed your cooking life or it's your most used and i love that uh heartbeat kitchen sent us most used 100 cookies by sarah kiefer and home is where the eggs are by molly yay uh who was it that was just saying that that was one of their favorite cookbooks i know barbara i don't know but barbara said betty crocker cookbook 1972 edition given to me from my mom she signed it happy cooking and baking i'll go back to it from time to time it's beat up and a little messy oh barbara just so you know too if you're listening we have had like over 400 new in weekly dish instant potters that i've been accepting in the last month because we mentioned it on jason's show and a lot of people are back good okay julie says joy of cooking of course uh, when she was first on her own and learning how to cook, it taught me so many basic skills for cooking and had so many of the basic recipes that I still use to support my meals today. I love that one. I love it. Yeah, I like it too. That's probably my like number one. If I need to go to something, I start there. Yeah. And then I start to like, you know, and there's different, t- like the Half-Baked Harvest. Yeah. Her books all have like a certain kind of a feel to them that are sort of multi-ingredient comforting sort of warm so when i'm looking for something like that i might open her book you know otolenghi i always turn to for salads totally totally i know and remember there is that group there is that uh there's do you i follow eat your books yes which is that thing that elizabeth reese and i found one year where we were like god don't you wish there was a thing that could like you could put in what's on your shelf and then find your i want to make something with apples yeah and and that is it's like you have your my bookshelf is in there you've got your library but they also talk about all you know there's a blog there's a weekly newsletter that comes out that talks about all the great stuff uh, that is, you know, coming up. And they did just post the 23, 23 IACP Cookbook Award winners. And there are some great books on that, you know. I mean, like, uh, so many good things. For, you know, like, uh, the American, Six California Kitchens. I kind of want to know that. I haven't seen that one. That's a Sally Schmidt book, a uh-huh. collection of recipes, stories, and cooking lessons. Um, the this, food- uh, My Cochina is everywhere. Yeah. People yeah. are really excited the Mikochina, about that yeah. book. Mikochina, sorry. By Rick Martinez. Um, I think that was named Book of the Year. Uh, Food 52, Simply Genius Recipes for Beginners, Busy Cooks, and Curious People. Mm-hmm. That'll be a good one. I know. How about the Vegan Chinese Kitchen? Recipes and Modern Stories from a Thousand-Year-Old Tradition. I think that is one if you have a friend or a, a family member who is just you know kind of declaring that they're going to kind of go vegan. I would say give them that because that's kind of that amazing look of like it's not just a new fad it's actually a really old tradition there's a book in here that is in the swap i know because i had it and i put it in there called good for your gut a plant-based digestive health guide and nourishing recipes for living well oh yeah by desiree nielsen um i went through that book and it is in my pile of the swap okay this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. you ever get that feeling where you know you need to get something off your chest Holding stuff in really becomes a stressor. Things you want to mention to your boss, your partner, your parents. Bottling it up only makes things worse and start to make our life go sideways. But what can we do about it? Therapy is a great safe space to get things off our chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. 
Sometimes just putting those bottled up words out into the universe can be a big help, especially when it's in a safe space with your therapist. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and is designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. You start by filling out a questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no charge. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Weekly Dish today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Weekly Dish. I'm Bradley Trainer, And I'm Don McClain. We have a podcast called Blinded by the Item. A blind item is gossip about a celebrity with their name left out. It's a guessing game, and you can play along. The item might be like, this A-list star carries a Birkin bag worth more than the average person's house to the gym to work out. Pretty sure that's J-Lo. And P.S. The person behind all of this is Chris Jenner, LLC. We drop a new episode every weekday so the fun never ends. Blinded by the Item. Listen wherever you get podcasts and watch us on the Blinded by the Item YouTube channel. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of great ones in there. Cooking with Mushrooms I thought was interesting. The single subject winner. Unlocking the powerful flavors and health-giving properties. I think that's so fun. 651-641-1071. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so when you were traveling yeah. and you came home, like what was the thing that you wanted to eat right away? I wanted a cheeseburger, of course. <laughs> always, always a cheeseburger. And I didn't get it. I um, still haven't had a cheeseburger. I haven't either. Like, And we had a, uh, Jim and I had a, a layover in JFK for three hours and it was ugh, gross. And um, it's like, you remember how great your airport at Minneapolis is yes. when you go to JFK, by the way. Um, and so anyway, we stopped at this little, we just pulled over on our concourse and stopped at this little place and had, I think we both got a Caesar salad, which is hysterical <laughs> to me. And it was like, not great at all. Like there's, it was so bad, but I thought I, I have to dip back into the world of actual, you know, cooking and stuff. I think the first thing I still haven't had a cheeseburger, but I did make uh, sausage and beans when I got home. Oh, you yum. know what I mean? The next day I made, you know, just Polish sausage with cannellini beans, which I soaked and then threw in spinach and, you know, tons of garlic and tons of the herbs that were dying on my porch. <laughs> I did make um, turkey meatballs last night with a one skillet, like orzo tomato yeah. sauce, some feta. So good. And I'll put, I'm working on creating that recipe. I took a picture and it doesn't look very good, but I might just publish it anyway because it was damn homey. Yeah. Like it just felt like all the homey, it was the first meal I've cooked since I've been back. Yep. Little cream, little tomatoes, little saltiness, little sun-dried tomato in the meatballs. It was good. Yeah. I'm I'm here for that. A hundred percent. I'm ready for soup too. Well, I mean, have you heard that 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 like TikTok thing going around? Soup is witchcraft. Like, are you telling me that you open a book and you read a bunch of ingredients and you throw them into a pot and soup isn't witchcraft? Oh, I like that. It was perfect. We and might we be witches, it. Stephanie, oh, in witches all the best sure. ways. Yeah, no, that's totally the way. Um, but I do think, yeah, it definitely is like this weather where it's just a little bit cold and nippy outside. I wanted, actually, I turned the rest of the beans, because, of course, I overmade the beans. I made so many of them. Well, you're used to cooking for, like, still, eight people. Still, and I know. Still, I do the same. I've lived alone for two years. I do the same. But I, I absolutely made soup out of the next, that next batch of beans. 
Um, I did get a call, you guys. I did get a text from Giant Baby last night, like actually in the middle of the day. And I was like, and he and I had talked the night before and just caught up. And I was like, and he was like, yeah, it's starting to get the rainy season out here. And I was like, ooh, that's real. Like, you're going to start cooking for everybody again in your house. And he was like, so then he kind of, I don't know if I planted the seed or what, but he basically uh, texted me at like three o'clock and was like, so how do I make pot roast again? Oh, yeah. (laughs) And I was like, actually, it's like the easiest thing to make your house smell good. If you want to keep your friends home from going out, make pot roast. Well, and it's Cracktober. Yeah, they don't have crock pots there, but you know. For sure. I've been publishing a crock pot recipe every day throughout the whole month. Yeah. Actually, I know because I got someone's like, hey, crocked over. I'm like, nope, not me. (laughs) The other Stephanie. Someone else thanked me for my beautiful writing. And Uh, I was like, yeah, I'm pretty sure it's not me. (laughs) (laughs) I write, but it's not beautiful. It's pretty pedestrian and usually about the recipe that I'm cooking. Other than that. Oh, God. It's so funny. It's so funny. But yeah, I don't know. I was thinking about I haven't made potato soup this season yet. I haven't started. Potato soup is usually how I start soup season. And I haven't done that. I'm feeling very pumpkin-y. Yeah, okay. Like, I'm I'm getting a pumpkin snickerdoodle urge. So, oh yeah, that sounds so good. I know, and I'm getting pumpkin bar feelings. Pumpkin pancakes, the savory ones, too, for me. Those are amazing. The yeah, ones where you Al's put- Breakfast has a really delicious pumpkin pancake, too. Yeah. If you need to go there tomorrow and have that, you I should. I don't ever want to stand in line. I'm sorry, just don't. Well, I know. I'm it's, sorry. I know. Because you're missing out. I mean, I have had. I've had great pumpkin. I've had great pancakes at house. I love them. I just. And the hash browns. You have to be yum. in the like mood for that. Yeah. But put on a sweater, get a cup of coffee, go stand. I would go and- by myself more than anything to go there. That's what I would do. I wouldn't want to go. <laughs> Somebody's like, going to go to Al's alone. Yes. Because then you just have to wait for one thing to open up oh. and then you sit down and then you're at a counter and it's just perfect. I do love that. Um, I'm going to make this weekend. I was going to try to make the, um, in honor of the eclipse, maybe even, is that today? I think it's it today. It is today. Right? Kurt's in Utah okay. in someone's a friend of ours driveway. Yeah. He the, said there's just campers everywhere. Yeah. It is p- passing through Portland, I think, yep. or Oregon. And so Jake was going to drive down to do that. I'm not sure if he is, but we'll see. I'm going to make something. We'll talk about it later. I'll put it in the top two. Okay. All right. All right. We'll be go. right back.